This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7. We're talking travel. And brought to you by our sponsor, Travel World on King. And Sally Lucas, your premises were actually fairly well affected by last week's floods. Yes, and I'm sure we're not on our own there, Jane, but our particular area of Newcastle West, as people probably saw such incredible images both on TV, papers, websites, etc. I mean, that whole area was a raging torrent and was really, really quite quite scary. Um, our office was virtually flooded, um, you know, and... and if anyone knows our building, we've got a few steps go up to the front and then you walk into it and then the water was up to sort of halfway up desk level. So we're probably talking, I don't know, six feet or so. Um, so I wasn't there on that particular day. Um, it's not one of my normal afternoons to work, so I was very fortunate. But um, the rest of the staff, unfortunately, weren't so fortunate. And it had just happened so quickly, Jane. Um, they couldn't even get their cars out. We have a little car park out the back, but it, bar- it backs onto the canal. So there's seven cars still stranded there at the moment. But what we're just saying to people is that we are operating, even though our doors are closed there, we have been able to relocate to temporary premises that unfortunately are in somebody's home so we can't have people come and visit us yet uh, we would suggest you contact us by our normal email addresses which most people would have and our phone line will be diverted to a number that we can answer however just keep in mind it's only one phone line so we sort of might get a bit clogged up so to be patient and use emails is our preferred option if you can we are um, getting to every client as soon as we can we're treating them obviously in order of departure, which is the only way we can be fair and do that. We have secured everybody's documents, so no one needs to be concerned. There's no passports and things lost. Luckily with e-tickets these days where they've been damaged and lots of documents are e-documents now, electronic, the issue we can reissue these. So that makes life a little easier, even though it's a lot of reissuing to be done, it's, it, it can be done. So these are, I guess, one of the benefits of what progress is in having these e-documents. Um, we can still process, you know, funds for people as well, and we can let them know, you know, when they contact us, how we can do that and what the best way is of doing that. So, yep, we're, we're there. We're playing tag team and You're operating. operating. We're yeah. operating. So we hope, this is hope, to get back into one half of our premises which we'll all be squeezed into both our corporate and leisure next week. They're hoping, they're working really hard at the moment, disinfecting, cleaning out, you know, getting one part of the building ready, then they'll work on, on the other. So we will let people know, obviously, once we've got more definite date, but sometime next week is our hope. Oh, that sounds like good news. Yes. Now, in yes. the meantime, let's think about some really nice places. I think we need to. I think we all need a little bit of a charge at the moment. We're all feeling a little bit depressed over the last week's uh, ongoing dramas and things that are unfolding, I guess, that you hear every day. You talk to someone else who's had some extreme suffering that's probably far more than you've had, even though you think you're, you're suffering, you know what I mean? And there's been wonderful stories of heroism and people lending a helping hand, which is the wonderful thing about Newcastle. So I think if we keep that in the top of our minds that there are some wonderful people out there doing some fantastic things and we all bind together. And at the end of the day, I always feel you can turn a negative into a positive light with the earthquake and good comes out of bad and we can turn things around and get back on the road again even though it may take some time but people might just want to think about or even reflect themselves once they've been through something like this as some of the nice things they've done in their life 
rather than think on the current disaster, think on something that you've achieved in your life or a place you've been and just bring those memories back so you're not just, you know, wallowing, I guess, in a little bit of depression, if you like. (laughs) Well, why don't we start off today by thinking about some of your favourite places? Oh, Jane, that's a hard one. If I'd known you were going to ask me that today, I'd have brought a list. Um, (laughs) Everyone always says, we what's your favourite country? And I still find that a very difficult question to answer. Oh, we don't just want one. We want some. I know, but I will give you some. And I'm saying, I think that's a lot easier for me than saying one, because I I find it very difficult to select one as I, I've enjoyed everywhere I've been in my life. And whether it's been because of the one people, the culture, the food, the history, the climate, the geography. I never come back feeling negative about anywhere I've been because it's always been a learning curve. In even though you might like one part of the country, there'll always be another part that you will like. And I think you've always got to go with that positive attitude when you travel that you're going to explore. You're like a bit of a pilgrim. You're out there wanting to experience an area you've never been to before. So, you know, just just grab it with both hands and really enjoy it and don't let the little negative things bother you. But I've loved, um, I loved Russia when I went there just at the end of the Cold War, which was... 69. That that was a particularly interesting time to go. It was a very interesting time. We really only did Moscow at the time, and we flew with Air India, who know the people remember, they used to fly out of Australia. Six stops on a 707 from here via Perth and Bombay and Delhi, and oh gosh, you know, it was Singapore as well. But yeah, it was, it was an incredible place to see, you know, the Red Square and the Kremlin was just incredible, and their Space Museum, and you know, And they were still using the abacus back then, you know, in the department store, Goom, the famous department store, and everything was very, very dour. But I managed to get to the Bolshoi, you know, which was fantastic. The ballet wasn't on, but we saw an opera. And so they were wonderful times, and they stick in my memory as my first big trip as a novice in the travel industry. Have you been back there since? I haven't. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that'll be something to compare. I know. And this is the thing, because there's so many places to see in the world, like, I tend to not always go back to the same place I think no I've got to see this place I've got to see that place and yeah I'd love to go back but you know so there's all those sort of things and and I loved Africa I think Africa gets in your blood it's a sort of destination that with the animals again the geography the climate it's it's just so many fantastic things to see and do and that's been another one of my favorites that I did in the early 70s and you have been and back to no, Africa No, and I haven't been oh. back there either. See, I keep moving on. I can't help myself. I keep moving on to other destinations. But they've all been fantastic. And so game parks in Africa. Yes. And, yes. and Vic Falls. Waterfalls. Oh, and it was full when we saw it. People have gone there when it's been in drought and been disappointed. It was absolutely bucketing over. You know, we were just getting wet from the spray and you were just mesmerised by the force of water. It was most beautiful, fantastic thing to do. And Victoria Falls is one of the big three waterfalls in the world, isn't it? It is. And I mean, I've done that in Niagara and I've done Iguazu, of course. And and I saw Iguazu under flood. I mean, that was just stupendous. You know, and I mean, to see a waterfall, you really want to see it with a lot of waterfall, water, sorry, coming over it, not a trickle, in which I must admit, at all times, I have not had trickles. We're talking travel on to a new RFM 103.7. What a good subject to be talking about right at this stage. And Sally Lucas, some of your favourite places. Let's go on with Let's the next going. part on the list. Okay, how, how, really about, how about China? China. Now, China is, of course, opening up so much more it these is days. now. And again, I haven't been back. And my husband has more recently. And when he was explaining to me the growth and Beijing and the Great Wall and what's happened there, I'm thinking, wow, you know. So when were you there? I was there again when 
tourism was just starting when people were still in a bit like the male uniforms. There was a bit of denim here and there, but that was back in 80, I'm going to say the wrong year in a minute, 84. In the 80s. It was, yes. Mm. And I took a group, um, Viva Holidays, do you remember that company? Mm. And it was part of our old Traveland company in those days. And I escorted a three-week itinerary and we followed the Silk Route. So it was the most fascinating journey. And talking to people that have been back recently, once you move beyond those cities of Beijing, Shanghai, etc., it still hasn't changed. So anyone who wants to do that Silk Route, it is absolutely a magnificent experience because China is such a huge country and you've got such diverse geographical situations there, like, you know, riding a camel in the Gobi Desert out of Don Wang. You know, is the second lowest place on earth after the Dead Sea and temperatures there are regularly in 50 degrees plus because it's, it's desert. Um, you go right up to Urumqi in the northwest in the Xinjiang Autonomous Region, which is very close to Mongolia, so they all look very Mongolian. And people still live in these yurts, which are these little huts. And up are in they the mountains. Made, made with animal skin? Yes, yes, they are. And they're, it's pine forest. You can smell all this beautiful, you know. So you've gone from a desert, and the next thing you've got a pine forest and a lake. And then, of course, you've got south with Guilin with its wonderful limestone pinnacle peaks and, of course, your famous Yangtze River. And I mean, Shanghai now is, is an in-your-face, big, bustling city compared to the days when I was there and Beijing is just you know in gridlock with traffic now compared when I was there no one had a car except if you're an embassy member or a taxi or everyone was on bicycles you know so these still are things that are in my memory and I, I love these memories of places as they were and you look at them now again or look at pictures or talk to people who've been it's interesting getting the comparisons um, other places oh let me think you know I love France I don't need to say that and that is a place I have been back to a few times so I, I'm lying when I say I don't go back to places, aren't I? But I do love France and I, I love its scenery and, and culture and cuisine and the geographical layout of France, again, with its wonderful mountains and rivers. And it's it's beautiful as well. Um, There's a bit of difference between Paris being the capital yes. and the countryside. Again, the countryside hasn't changed. And this is what people have got to realise. Once you move away... Okay, we, we are in the world of progress and modernity, but there's still always a back area, a backwash, you know, where you can go and still see life as those local people have always lived it. Like people, I'm sure, who come to Australia and go to the outback. Those farmers out there haven't changed the way they live their life. They've got power now and they've got this and that, but their actual lifestyle is the same and they live their life the same, like they do in France or anywhere else. Vanuatu, you know, it was once a French-British condominium and now it's independent. It was the New Hebrides. And it was left with these remnants of French as well as being, of course, the Nevan people. And once you move outside Vila, like we just went on a little hour's trip and canoed down this little river, the Teuma River, and there were these little children, just like little pickaninnies, collecting wild yams. And, and our guide that took us said... They only come into Vila once a year at Christmas time and the kids have to go out every day and collect vegetables. They don't have power or anything like that. So you've got to remember there's lots of these countries are still living life and that you should go out and experience that. Don't just fly into the cities, move out into the outer areas and you'll really still see life as it has always been lived in most of these countries. It's very interesting to see people doing things in such a, in a way that we are 
not familiar with here. Of course, us, well, us being so young or we being so young. I mean, as South America is another place is a favourite, of course. As you know, I've raved about Machu Picchu. A lot of these places with their, their treasures like this, whether it be the pyramids or the wonderful um, uh, um, ruins in Mexico and so on, they really try to stop people now because they're getting over-trekked and, of course, they haven't been able to climb the pyramids since about 19... 86, would that be right, I think? A while anyway, but people to still sneak in. And, you know, it's, it's sad because we don't want these ruins to crumble. We want them to be there for everyone to see, but we want people to be careful and treat them like fragile pieces of porcelain. Like, you really got to realise these are treasures of the earth and they're wonderful to see, but please look after them. Look after them so that they're still there. There for the next generation, absolutely. But we can still enjoy them as well. Oh, absolutely. By looking oh, at them. look, just some fantastic places out there to experience. A lot of wonderful places in the world. We're talking travel on to a new RFM 103.7. Now, Sally Lucas, there's a, a website that we can go to to find out about safety records of different airlines. Yes, and I hadn't even heard this before myself it was an article in a paper probably now three or four weeks ago and I just sort of hung on to it out of an interest point of view and just found it again this week when I was doing a bit of a clean out as we've all been doing this week Um, and it was interesting that they gave a list of airlines that have had no fatal passenger events since 1970. It's actually published on a website called www.airsafe.com but the top five that came out of that was still Qantas Southwest Airlines, which is an American airline, Austrian Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines and Finnair. And I'm sure there's, there's others that are listed. They only listed a few in, in this particular article. And also, CASA has, you know, its own website as well. Um, and there's quite a few of them. So, but if you got onto that one anyway, it seems to be the easiest one. There is www.casa.gov.au slash airsafe so you can go in and look at the CASA website as well but if people are a bit concerned and like to know and some people do like to know if they haven't flown before the safety record of an airline it'd just be something they can do it's just a little bit of an extra planning in your trip and any extra planning that's going to make you feel more comfortable about how you travel is, is a good thing to do good thing yeah hmm. so there you go and Qantas I still think they, on average, are still a very good airline, even though they get a bit of bagging in the press from time to time. But I think overall, as we've discussed off air, you know, Jane, that it does depend, like anything in life, on the the staff. You know, one staff one day in a, in a shop, I'm sure, can be friendlier than staff on another day with assistance and help. It shouldn't be like that on an aircraft, I agree, but I think sometimes it does depend on the crew. But we do know that Qantas has that fantastic safety record, so that's always still something to, to keep in mind, isn't it, when you're flying? And I believe they're working on their service too. Well, that's right. They try to improve that day by day. So come up against them. I mean, there's so much competition these days too, of course, naturally, than there was many years ago. So you really have to keep on your mettle in, in all things, not mm. just travel. Yes, and that's right. Absolutely. Now, yeah. have we got any hot deals for today? Oh, well, I thought I'd have to throw just a few in. Um, everybody loves Nemo, don't they? Nemo. Mm. He's such a cute little little fish, fish, isn't he? I mean, everyone looks at one now and they just call any little fish Nemo, I think. And anyone out there who's wanting to take their children, grandchildren, whatever, or people who just love Disneyland. And we had a lady the other day and her family were going to Hawaii in Disneyland. She says, no, I don't want to go back to Hawaii, but I really want to go to Disneyland. So she's just joining them for the Disneyland part. So it's not just for children, obviously. It can appeal to people of all ages. And there is a package there at the moment. And this is Return Air with Qantas. 
talking Qantas, but um, yes, five nights accommodation, a two-night Disneyland Resort Park hopper ticket, which gives you two days unlimited use within Disneyland, yeah, and your return transfers in and out of Disneyland as well. Now, this is from 1 through to about 22 November, so it's in the low season, okay, because that's good for airfares and keeps your costs down. Um, Ex-Sydney, this starts from 2115 per adult, and a child under 12, 15, 29. What, why they're calling it Finding Nemo this month, um, there's a new undersea adventure at Disneyland, which um, they've got a Finding Nemo submarine voyage where you've got to go and find Nemo. So there you go. How about that for a little bit of interest? <laughs> We can all find Nemo. Yeah, they might find him. Who knows? Um, Hong Kong, they do have every year around this time, um, June, July, their shopping festival, and you really get incredible bargains. Um, I have a friend who goes there regularly um, for business, and she said, honestly... A lot of people think it changed once China took over and prices went up. But she said, really, that all settled. And she said, particularly if you know what you're after, she said, the quality and the variety, you know, in in clothing, jewellery, shoes, whatever you want, is still there. Um, You know, if you want to go and get your prescription glasses made up, etc. So, And they have this shopping festival on, um, as I said, from end of June through to um, one package goes through to 15 July. And then the cheaper season goes from 16 July through to 31 August because it's really a little bit um, hot and monsoonal then. (laughs) That's when you get all your tropical rains. But this starts with Cathay Pacific, four nights accommodation, a free bottle of wine, airport transfers, etc. Discounts at all the selected shopping centres available from 12.98 in that low season and from 15.39 from June through to 15 July. So if you wanted to get in early and do some Christmas shopping, off you go. Thinking somewhere nice and sunny to go, how about the Cook Islands? So this would be a nice place to go and have a little bit of a, a veg out if you've had enough of wet, damp, musty homes and think, let it dry out for a couple of weeks and we'll go away. Um, there's a five-night package there for 1029 and that's pretty good value for money I think these days uh, for that price and that's flying with Air New Zealand transfers uh, and that uh, there are bonuses with different hotels depending on where you stay that's just the leading price some of them might give you a, a tropical breakfast daily or one free night or an upgrade to a higher room so lots of different hotels available on that package and just one more today um, this is called Discover the Real Vanuatu, and that is, of course, one of my other little favourite destinations that I have been back to, so I've lied twice now. Isn't that dreadful? Anyway, not to worry. I didn't mean to. Um, slip of the tongue. This is on a new small ship cruising vessel, which, as we know, these vessels are becoming more popular because people can get into areas that the large cruise vessels can't. And it's on a vessel called the Oceanic Discoverer. So this is... You can... Do a package which just includes uh, one night's accommodation at the Meridian or you can do one that includes four nights and then you still have a five-night cruise, which is with all your meals. Um, Now, it's called an Oceanic Discoverer Trip and it's on the Coral Princess, which is a beautiful vessel. Um, All meals, as I said, all rooms have got their own facilities. Really lovely, beautifully fitted out small vessel. That starts from, let me find the from for you, 3929. That's all-inclusive with your meals on the vessel breakfast and um, barbecue lunch at the meridian and transfers etc and a massage as well a 30 minute massage so again if you're looking for something just lovely and relaxing to get away to a bit of warm weather 
something nice to do. A really hot deal. A very hot deal. <laughs> and that's our look at the travel world this moment. And we'll be back next Friday after the one o'clock news as we talk travel on 2NURFM 103.7.